time for Politics Wednesday. And Chris Hipkins, back by popular demand and also because Megan Woods is still overseas. And Mark Mitchell is with us. A very good morning. Good morning, morning. Mike. Good morning, Chris. Very, very, uh, very good, Chris. Do you know what time your letter arrived yesterday at Sonny Koshal's place? <laughs> uh, no, I'm not. I'm not sure, but they, the team did go back and find the, the letter from June. It did get lost in the system, and so uh, we have. A, uh, you know, it's we have. I have apologised to Sunny Kushal for that. Yes, you have. And the letter arrived. Uh, you must have. They must have known that you were appearing on this program this morning because it arrived yesterday <laughs> afternoon at four fifty-five. Oh well, that must be the potent effect that you have, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to be meeting him Wednesday, the nineteenth of October, at ten a.m. So I'm I'm very pleased that's been um, that's been sorted out. Mark, well, it's good good of you to sort my diary out for me, Mike. Thank well, you for no, that. look, I'm just um, look. I've got your best interests and the nation's best interests at heart. Mark, well, the reality getting... of it is the, the, the reality of it is, Mike, that, that that letter would have remained lost if you hadn't highlighted it. So that's I'm true. pleased that you did. That is true. Can I read you out, and Chris, just a precursor on this, do not tell me that you can't possibly comment on court cases. I just want to read you out what I read in the paper yesterday and get your reaction to Mark's as well. A woman involved in a drug debt revenge kidnapping plot and brutal beating will serve seven months home detention. So she's already electronically monitored on bail for the past 13 months. She's breached that three times. She was sentenced after pleading guilty to charges of kidnapping and participating in an organised criminal group. Uh, The electronic monitoring part, uh, despite the breaches, they were only minor breaches, according to the court. Now, when you read that, Chris, does it surprise you that there's a lot of people up in arms about the crime in this country and how out of control things are? Well, it doesn't surprise me that people would have concerns about that sentence. Obviously, I, I haven't, I haven't, um, you know, the judiciary deliver those sentences, but I'm not surprised that people would have some questions about that. Indeed. So, what is it you have to do in this country to actually, act, you know, like get put in jail? Well, that's ultimately a question for the judiciary. Is so, yep, I understand, I understand that. I understand that people would have concerns about that sentence. You know, based on the facts as you've presented them, I haven't had a chance to look into that. I'd have some questions about that as well. But ultimately, ministers and politicians don't actually make decisions about the sentences people get. That is the judiciary that make those decisions. Yes, they, they literally make the decisions, but they make the decisions based on the law of the land which is set up by you. Does that, as a minister of police, as an MP, as a father, as a human being, not ring alarm bells that this is the sort of violence and crime that is dealt to in this country with an ankle bracelet. Well, based on the, the facts that you've presented, which, again, I, I haven't had a chance to have a look at any of the facts around the case. Um, yes, that is concerning, but I, I point out that the law hasn't changed in this area. So the law that the judges are applying now is exactly the same law as they were applying under the last yeah. national government. It's, it's complete smoke and mirrors, Mike, is that... Is that... You know, Hipkins and the rest of them keep saying the law hasn't changed. The reality is they have set very clear signals themselves, and I'm, I'm quite happy to go back and bring up all the speeches that are made, and they've signalled that they want alternative actions. They want to empty the prisons and reduce the prison muster. They've done that by 25%. There's more people out on electronic bail now than any, at any other time. And by the way, this is common. There's breaches every day. So the sentences are very weak. They are avoiding, they, they are um, uh, making a concerted effort to try and avoid people going into the prison system. None of us want people in prison. The reality is this. We have them to keep communities safe and to stop more victimisations. And these guys have completely dropped the ball on it. And they've created a situation in this country now 
where we have never seen the levels of violence that we're currently facing. So should that well, woman to be, be fair, to be fair, Mark, the, the work to reduce the prison population actually started under the national government and was triggered by Bill English, who called prisons a moral and fiscal failure. If you take youth crime, for example, which I know Mark is very focused on at the moment, the number of young people being prosecuted every year uh, was 5,000 when National became the government. By the time they left government, it was down to 2,000 a year. So th- the big declines here were happening under National, not just under this government. Yeah, I think Chris, the, prosecution, the, the prosecution thing, though, Chris, is, and I think uh, poor old uh, Kerry Gallen got caught up up in this the other day, is, is, is that is prosecuting is one thing, what happens to them is the key to it. Arresting somebody isn't the point. What happens to them, and clearly what happens to them, is, is you turn up and you've been part of your kidnapping plot and your brutal beating and you jump bail three times, but you get sent home again. Like I say, that, that those are questions for the judiciary to answer. The sentencing guidelines that the judiciary worked to from the government have not changed. Mark, well, you've got the, the, it's perverse. You've got the, you've got the finance minister that's out in the media saying that he's scared of having a lamington thrown at him, and at the same time, I visited the um, some of the ladies that work in the store at St Luke's the other day in tears because they have to face um, eight offenders heavily armed with balaclavas on, smashing the shop up. Yeah. You know, these guys are completely, totally out of touch with what's going on. Before I leave the cops... Mark, Mark I think you trivialising the, the security threats to prominent public figures um, does you and the National Party oh, a great disservice. There, there, are, there are people threatening, threatening members of Parliament at the moment, including your own leader, um, who on various occasions has asked for additional security around him, and I think you trivialising that does the National of Party course, a great disservice. Of course, of course, Chris, you want to focus on, on yourself and on politicians instead of focusing on... The, the members of the public and the victims that every well, you were the one that you were the one that raised it. You were the one that raised it as an example. Yeah, okay. I, I don't. I've used an exa- example of if you've got the deputy prime minister there talk, out there talking about his own safety instead of talking about the safety of um, of New Zealanders. Brief break. Come back with more in a moment. Then we'll move on to another subject. But I do want to ask. Actually, I, just quickly, just super quickly, if you can, Chris, before the break. The cops you asked about the number plates yesterday. The story the Herald ran. Uh, is there anything illegal in that? Do we ever get to the bottom of that? Is it illegal or not? No, I haven't had a report back on that yet, so I, I can't answer Do that. Do you suspect it's illegal? Uh, it's certainly not within the guidelines for how the system should should be used, uh, and so that is something that I've asked them to look into because I'd like more a, a more fuller explanation no. um, for exactly what's happened there. Now Mark, explain this to me, and we had Christopher Luxon on earlier on this morning. With all of the problems facing the country as you would paint them, how is it you're only three points in front of the Labour Party? Well, I mean, Chris has done an extraordinary job. I was a huge believer in him when he came into politics. He came into the, the role of leader in his first term. He's completely turned things around. We're disciplined. We're focused. We're now ahead of Labor. So we're polling ahead of them, 37%. They're on 34 And he's only nine points off the prime minister in opposition. So he has done an outstanding job. Um, we, when you consider the turnaround, we have to continue to show that we are um, disciplined, that we're focused and that we're ready to govern and get rid of these guys because I don't think there's a lot of people in New Zealand as I get around the country doing law and order meetings that there's definitely a mood for change and they don't want another three years under this uh, socialist government. Chris, I'm assuming you read the Herald's mood of the boardroom the other day. That was, that was a cutting, damning indictment on all your government stands for. What do you make of it? 
Um, oh, look, I, I think we should certainly engage with the business community, and um, and you know I think some of the concerns that they've got are concerns that we actually share. So there's definitely a labour shortage, and that's really biting for business. And I completely understand their frustration about that. Um, government is working with them to try and resolve some of those issues, so I understand that. Um, it'd be fair to say that the 107 people who filled in that survey are not uh, not lifelong Labour supporters, um, but uh, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't listen to what they're saying. Is it, is it fair to suggest that they're the sort of people, though, that if you were delivering, they would support you? They may never vote for you, but they would at least acknowledge the direction you're taking the country, but it's ex- the exact opposite of that. Well, not necessarily. The mood of the boardroom tends to always turn down when there's a Labour government, even if the economic conditions improve. Um, there, there's actually, it, it is part, there's, a, there's an element of politics in that. Now, I'm not saying that that doesn't mean that they're not raising legitimate issues. I think some of the issues that they're raising are actually really important. But, but they're not necessarily going to be a crowd who's going to be wild about there being a Labour government, regardless of what the economic conditions are. You would, you would, well, you would accept it. it's gone backwards, though. The numbers have gone backwards. There's only five of you out of 26 that get above a halfway mark, two and a half out of five. The Prime Minister isn't any longer one of them. The person or the most effective politician in the country appears to be James Shaw. He's not even in your party. Yeah, the, I mean, to be fair, the last mood of the boardroom survey was actually a bit of an aberration. It was the most it was the most supportive their business community has ever been of a Labour government, and it was off the back of the COVID-19 response. So yeah. I don't think we were expecting But that settles my point. That, 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 that backs my point up. My point is, if they exactly. see you doing what at least you believe is the right thing, they'll back you. They're not. That's right. I think what we're seeing is, is, is something that resembles more politics as usual has resumed now. You know, the COVID-19 emergency responses behind the country, um, and I think m- most people are pretty happy about that. Um, and as a result, politics as usual, things have, things have returned to normal. People have who, who, who supported the government through the COVID response but don't naturally sit on our side of the spectrum are, are shopping around and, and perhaps returning back to where they might feel naturally more at home. Mark, the TBNZ-RNZ merger, there's more submissions coming this Thursday or tomorrow, I think. Is that something you're going to unstitch or is it going to be too late? They're going to ram that through, it'll be done and you can't do much about it if you get to be government next year? Oh, well, we'll de- we're definitely standing against it at $350 million. It's, um, it's a, a problem that's looking for, or a solution that's looking for a problem. Um, and by the way, you know, Melissa Lee made it very clear yesterday that that $350 million could clear the backlog of people waiting for cancer medicines. Um, it's absolutely ridiculous what they're trying to do. Willie Jackson now is coming under enormous pressure. Go and have a look at his performance in the House yesterday. It was atrocious, um, and, and he can't defend it. Um, I, I, I'd be surprised if Chris can. Um, can we unwind it? We'd have to wait and see how entrenched it is, but um, we're going to put as much political pressure on them right now as we can to try and stop it. Appreciate your time, Mark Mitchell, Chris Hipkins, for another Wednesday morning.